Everybody. Welcome to the Broken Shovel Podcast, homesteading for a sustainable future. Uh, we are talking climate refugees this week, but first, I am Lucas. I am joined, as always, by Eric. Eric. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, Lily is not able to join us today. She's a very busy woman. Uh, so, but uh, is so, so diligent behind the scenes. So if you're missing her, just know she's in the thread of this. Uh, as I mentioned, we are talking about climate refugees uh this week and climate migrants um we're gonna give the definition of uh climate refugee and uh we're gonna talk more about that definition towards the end of the show uh climate refugees are people who are forced to leave their homes and communities due to the effects of climate change climate change can be caused by natural events such as volcanic eruptions as well as human activities climate stressors such as changing rainfall heavy flooding and sea level rise can make homes uninhabitable. This term has been in use since 1985. Uh, and we're going to start by talking more about climate migration yeah. uh, and, and then push more towards uh, climate refugees. Here in Vermont, um, we are uh, touted as a climate refuge, <laughs> a place that may be less affected by the worst effects of climate yeah. change than any other parts of the country. Yeah. And touting uh, a term that I keep using is we have that lovely asbestos forest that's for some reason, just insulating us from everything. <laughs> well, recent extreme weather events such as flooding have raised questions about Vermont's resilience yes. to climate change, though. Um, now, we already do have people moving to Vermont in search of a, cl- a safer place to live. Uh, these people are referred to as climate migrants, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And even my own uh, in-laws are considering moving here from California uh, for that very reason, that uh there is much less serious deadly weather here in Vermont than in California. Yeah, we just have crappy weather all around. <laughs> Especially yes. this year. And I've got something to say about that. I actually did some math uh, for our homesteading portion towards the nice. end. Uh, so it's hard to say how many climate refugees are already living in Vermont. Um, some estimate it could be hundreds or even thousands. Uh, there's really no reliable data on the issue, but we do see this increase during events. Uh, we can go back to uh, the worst of the smoke from the Canadian wildfires here in, in Vermont. And uh, both you and I discussed at length with Lily about uh, an increase in seeing New York license plates, Massachusetts license plates, and, and, and the like. Jersey. And, uh, yeah. I saw a lot of jerseys yeah. throughout the, la- the last month. Yeah. And uh, I've actually been seeing a lot of New York State, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, so the, the majority of climate migrants in Vermont are likely from other parts of the country, um, but some may be from other countries, uh, such as uh, Central America and the Caribbean, uh, which I'm hopeful for because the food yes, here is and some of the food that um, <clears throat> comes in from them is delicious. Wonderful. But yeah, and I mean, my my is a, I mean, I'm going to go a little opinion on this is that I find that the Unfortunately, the people that, I mean, excluding the out-of-country refugees, uh, the ones that are coming here are those that can afford to. They can afford to build here, which say to afford to build here is the current estimate is if you want to build a new house uh, on undeveloped land, it is upwards of a million dollars. Yeah, so this is one of the major major concerns with climate migrants coming coming to Vermont is uh, affordable housing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, we are, right we're on. already struggling. We're already struggling a lot. Uh, them coming here is uh, they're buying up land. Uh, they are buying up houses and rebuilding stuff and basically just pricing. They're, they're pricing Vermonters out of our own state. Yeah, this is something we're I'm, I'm experiencing even in in, in my school district. Uh, yep. The the rapid increase in our taxes. I, I talked with you a little bit about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's just alarming. People, you know, selling vehicles, selling what, everything they can just to just to pay the taxes. Yeah, and it's is uh, um, a unique in Vermont because they they have the Mountain School, which is a private school, but they don't actually mm-hmm. have a high school. So they all their tax. A lot of the tax yeah. dollars for education, they don't pay. Education is going right. It's go like you're paying your taxes in, and they're going right back out of the town. Yeah, so it's it's frustrating uh, in the Rivendell School District, and uh, Meg is actually uh, getting really involved, and she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm inadvertently involved as well because uh, Thetford Academy is part of Rivendell. Yep. Yes. My son. So yeah, as, as my true. son goes to Thetford Academy, I saw it. So it's very interesting on my my new tax bill because they did the reappraisal of properties. My property mm-hmm. value stayed the same. My taxes went up about seven eight hundred dollars on the year. Yeah, we we saw about a nineteen percent increase, yep. uh, which is alarming, but. That is something that uh, we're going to have to reckon with as as more uh, children come here and uh, they need <laughs> education and they need. They yeah, need uh, there's things. actually talking share. I mean, my taxes are probably going to go up even more the next couple of years there. Uh, so the Sharon Elementary School was built in the uh, was completed in, in ni- 90 um, and it really hasn't had any major upgrades or changes since then. Um, and they're now talking about they're actually going to have a hearing in the next few weeks about expansion, upgrading, and what to do about the school and bond proposals for the school. Right. Well, I've got a list of three things that uh, are the specific challenges that are facing Vermont uh, with climate change and climate refugees. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can hit those real quick yep. and then and then we can zoom out a little yep. bit and talk about the rest of the world. Uh, one of them is that Vermont does have a, a relatively small population, which could make it difficult to provide services to a large influx of climate mm-hmm. migrants. So this is employment, uh, health care, schooling uh, mm-hmm. and education, as we're talking about now. Yep. Um, and uh, I mean, it doesn't help that it, we have that uh, our, our two main medical facilities in the state have an absolute monopoly on uh, medical treatment and have been shutting down local clinics. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, and you add you add a certain amount of, uh, you know, the NIMBYs, the not in my backyard folks, when you start seeing uh, other, you know, new people showing up. And I've been Mm -hmm. through this myself. Uh, I I am not from California. I lived in California. But to everybody who meets me, I'm a Californian. Um, you know, it's very frustrating <clears throat> as, as well as, uh, the housing shortage, which we mentioned earlier, uh, can make it very difficult <laughs> for climate migrants to find that affordable yep. housing. That's, that's just huge. Uh, uh, and, and the effects that this could have on the homeless population. I mean, uh, Burlington uh, has per and, capita the highest, highest homeless population in the country. Yeah. So it's, it's just, yep. it's very alarming. Yeah. Um, and our and infrastructure was, is, is for, not equipped to handle it either. 
was it uh it was re i recently read an article in digger uh i want to say it was berlin uh <laughs> that is uh thinking about passing uh or is it going to attempt to pass a very illegal law making it um uh impossible to stand sit or sleep in a public space uh <sighs> which is I mean, I, and don't quote me on it being Berlin, but it's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's one of the Burlington. I I have heard it's one of the Burlington. <laughs> one of the Burlington burbs is talking about yeah. this because it's it is a huge problem up there. But at the same time, they're they keep gutting the health programs up there and the uh, mental health treatment. Uh, they mm -hmm. don't. They keep taking away homeless shelters and any proposals to build new homeless shelters are met with constant challenges. And I was like, when I was thinking of the infrastructure stuff, I wasn't even thinking of that part of things. I was thinking of like the fact that on a uh, on a busy day, uh, on a ski day in Stowe, the the go the route going into Stowe, there's almost a three hour long wait to get to the ski area. Yeah. Uh, well, and and talking about tourism though, this is another thing that so climate change can affect. Uh, our tourism, which is very okay. climate-based, uh, uh, leaf-changing, skiing, as you mentioned, a uh, variety of summer sports on lakes and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, but as climate change affects these things, it also reduces the number of jobs that an increasing population uh, could uh, obtain, mm -hmm. which becomes, again, another vicious circle. We yep. suddenly end up with, with more people dependent on uh, infrastructure that is not in place. Yep. We, uh, uh, we're, like, and, I hate to bring up Stowe again, but Stowe Waterbury is dealing, is, they're quickly becoming the next Vale, where Vale has to import it, get bring in migrants every year to run restaurants, the bliffs, and all of that stuff because they've priced locals out of the region that they cannot live there to then support that infrastructure. Yeah. And then Vail yeah. off obviously <laughs> offers like, oh yeah, we give these migrants housing in our nice resort so we don't really have to pay them a livable wage. But that's a different well, story. If we want to sort of that's a totally different story. But yeah. if we want to start a podcast about the economy of Vermont. <laughs> yes. But yeah, let's let's zoom out to uh globally here. Yeah, and this is, you know, when we talk about Vermont, this is a very small example, and, and we're speaking to our neighbors, and we're <laughs> speaking to the, the folks here in Vermont and saying, this is this is as bad as it is right now, and we like to zoom out. We like to do this to show just how bad it could get, <laughs> not only in Vermont, but throughout the United States. Yep. Um, now, I've got a lot of uh, information about Bangladesh. You have information uh, I have around... numbers. Uh, I have Cameroon is where I have, but I also have like the like the UN and UNICEF numbers on uh, current pe like d people displaced and how it's it's, it's well, rapidly in it's the numbers are going up very fast. <laughs> yeah, well, let me. I'm going to run through some of this Bangladesh stuff because it really is some of the uh, strongest examples uh, with of high numbers uh, going back. I'm going back to about. Uh, 1991 here, uh, and uh, this will take me about three minutes. Bangladesh is one of the most vulnerable countries of to climate change. Uh, it's located in a deltaic region of at the confluence of the Ganges. Bra I should have I, pronouncing things. Brahmaputra and Manga Mangna rivers, and is prone to flooding, cyclones, and other extreme weather events. Uh, they're becoming more frequent and intense due to climate change, displacing 
millions of people. Uh, the World Bank estimates that there are over 7.1 million climate refugees in Bangladesh. This number is expected to rise to 13 million by 2050. I think that's a low ball, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the majority of climate refugees are poor and marginalized, and they face discrimination and lack of access to basic service in their new communities. Does this sound familiar? Uh, in Bangladesh, what we have seen is sea level rise. Um, <clears throat> the coastline is sinking at an alarming rate, and many coastal areas are already underwater, forcing people to leave and move inland. Uh, flooding. Uh, Bangladesh is prone to flooding, which is becoming more frequent and intense. Uh, in 2022, the country experienced its worst floods in a dec decade, displacing millions of people. Uh, cyclones, uh, which can cause widespread damage and displacement. Uh, in 1991, a cyclone killed over 138,000 people in Bangladesh. And then, of course, salinity intrusion. The sea levels rise, causing salt water to intrude coastal areas, making it more difficult to provide food. Uh, so this is this is one area. And I, I actually have a friend from Bangladesh who left Bangladesh uh, to join the U.S. military because and, and start a life here in the United States because he couldn't live there anymore. Um, and uh, he still lives in California. Uh, great fella. <clears throat> um, now, you know, we can talk about the solutions. We know what they are. Um, but but you know it's infrastructure it's infrastructure uh, it's, 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 it's not just infrastructure it's that we i mean we are seeing a crisis of of unfathomable proportions like right now uh there is a predicted uh so using going back to the numbers uh unicef in the u.s just predicted there are 1.6 million people displaced from their homes due to climate change in 2020, that number has risen to 3 million people. And then the UN is predicting, or the World Bank, I should say, is predicting a quarter of a billion people will be displaced by, by climate change by, the, by 2050. But that's the thing. Even World that's, Bank is yeah, still so. very heavily, along with like the UN, World Bank, UNICEF, they are all still using the very, very heavily may, could, might, possible, yeah. which is annoying because it's like this <laughs> is happening now. Like there is no could, there is no might. This is happening. Seven point one million people currently in Bangladesh is not yeah. a maybe. Uh, so, uh, so uh, um, shifting over a little more uh, west uh, uh, to Cameroon, and it's the set. Se the Sahel region of the Sahara Desert, which again, I want to underline the fact that desert on mm -hmm. this. Uh, Cameroon's facing a uh, one of the worst droughts. Uh, well, actually, that entire region is, uh, this is including Ethiopia, uh, Syria, uh, not Syria, um, uh, what's the, uh, the, the S nation over there that gets, that's always in the news about the pirates and stuff? Uh, Somalia. Somalia. That that whole region is facing an unprecedented, uh, but what is it, a thousand year drought in this region. Uh, so just in Cameroon, uh, there have been a there uh, there have been a million refugees going into Chad from neighboring nations because of the drought. Because um, they're having a uh, big thing is like they're actually violence is breaking out there because the uh, the cattle farmers and the fish farmers 
are actually fighting out over the limited number of resources because the fish farmers obviously want standing bodies of water for their fish, while the cattle farmers need it for their water, irrigation, and other things, which also which then in turn contaminates downstream water supply, making the fish population struggle. And then the, the decreasing water is causing them to fight, which is also causing people to then be displaced from their homes because they want to avoid the fighting. Right. Well, it's very similar to the Syrian civil war, uh, 2006 yes. to 2010. The drought forced farmers to abandon their land and migrate to urban areas uh, yep. and put a stress on resources and infrastructure. Yeah, that uh, also that doesn't help to that we have a war. lovely dictator that's still in place, uh, yes. killing, the, killing his own people. Uh, for uh, leading up to that civil war, which then we, yeah, that's yeah, whole nother, whole nother set yep. of uh, blah blah blah. <laughs> so, um, do you have other numbers uh, from that, or would we? Nope. Um, I think I'm. That's all of my uh, my number numbers. But I want to go back to like the UN and uh, their their refugee classification. Right, and and going back to the beginning uh, of this episode, we gave a definition of a uh, climate refugee, and I I pointed out that this term has been in use uh, since 1985, so quite close to 40 years. Um, But there is no international definition for a climate refugee. Under not only yeah, not only that, there is a it's not only there no classification. uh, If you are a refugee. You cannot claim climate change as a reason for your migration. Leaving yeah, the, leaving uh, people in a limbo state in between countries as they can't go back to their home and they are classless, citizenless in these new in their wherever they end up migrating to. Yeah, they they do not qualify for a refugee status, which is very important uh, to relocating mm-hmm. pretty much anywhere under international law. Now, the United Nations has a high commission for refugees. We'll call it the UNHCR. Uh, and uh, do you want to hear their the, their mission statement? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> their mission is to save lives, protect rights and build a better future for those that have fled their homes due to conflict and revolution that's that's vague and so you know taking something like the syrian civil war which is directly caused by climate change Mm -hmm. uh, and climate refugees um, until there is bloodshed the united nations uh is impotent uh, to help these people and even then they are very much they only were on the ground they wouldn't even help people get out of the country they were they would they'd only go in and be like here's here's resources here's support but we can't actually like help you get out and there was a i actually wish we had the numbers i wish lily was here to give us the numbers of how many people migrated into into eastern and western europe out of this and they're actually dealing with a um a lot of discrimination and conflict as these um heavy Muslim uh, groups left Syria and are now now pushing their religion in the communities that they've moved to. Yeah, so like the um, uh, Rohingya, Rohingya? Rohingya in China. Uh, who, yeah, isn't that the China? The yeah, Chinese? Who, yeah. Who, yeah, and they're, they're now a Muslim minority in Myanmar. Uh, and they, they've been displaced by violence and persecution. They're, 
I'm sorry, they, they were displaced from Myanmar to Bangladesh. Yeah. Yeah, because China, so, China was basically treating them as slave camps. Right. And uh, they've, they are now seen as a threat by the government in Bangladesh. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, yeah. The UN can't touch it because no bloodshed. it's traced yeah. back to, to China. No bloodshed. Yeah, no bloodshed. It traces back to China. And we don't want to upset China. For some reason, these guys no. don't want to upset China. And I, I mean, unfo- it's, it's very unfortunate that. I mean, I had a, I, with our mutual friend Ava, I had a really good conversation this week about uh, religion and these types of groups that they go in claiming they want, they want the help. And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt to help them. But then they turn around, even in our own country, look at what's uh, happening in uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, where there's massive protests of these groups wanting to enforce their religious law on school boards and their communities. Right. Yeah, it is. Um, <clears throat> it's a delicate area. It is. Uh, it's very delicate. It is very delicate. And it's, it's hard because I want to support these refugees, but uh, I hate to be a NIMBY, but it's like, I don't want you to come here. As I said to Ava, is that you're welcome to come to my breadline. Just don't bring that religious bullshit to it sorry that was my that was my, my pg-13 for the week <laughs> that was your pg-13 uh but yeah and and again that's this is a, you know more of a hot to- hot button topic than climate change uh but it's it is um it is an it is a result it, of refute these re- these refugees yes yeah. and it's and it's a failing in, in humankind uh-huh. is is my yes. opinion so um but i the the big picture here is that climate refugees uh, climate migration; these are things that are happening, have been happening, and are, it's going to be increasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when we have global organizations and air quotes global organization with the United Nations having, if they are not pushing a definition on the member nations, mm-hmm. the individual nations do not need a, a, a definition. And from there, they don't have to generate laws. They do not generate infrastructure. They do not help people stay alive yep. in a changing no. world. And I, uh, another number I saw this actually recently this week is, uh, I want to say it was another World Bank number, is by by the year, uh, by the turn of the century, they expect there to be 1.2 billion deaths due to climate change. Yeah, and that's not so. That, and that's like so that if that many people are going to die, there's going to be that many more that are simply displaced. So that's why I think this quarter of a million by 2050 is it's a 250 or quarter of a billion. So 250 million people by 2050, uh, I think, is an underestimate. And I think even going into oh, uh, yeah. 20 in the in 2100, I think we're going to see uh, climate refugees in the billions. Well, yeah, they're saying 13.3 million by 2050 just in Bangladesh. Yep. Uh, and they are a, a, a big, shiny indicator of what's what's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yep. uh, it, and just for reference, these these folks in, in Hawaii, they're just now getting to go look at their burned mm-hmm. down houses, which means that they are being 
uh, I don't want to use the word burden, but but they are relying on a different portion of their home state and country or potentially internationally, considering their location uh, and, and, and cultural uh, diversity. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's already cycled it's, out of the news, but I mean, there was already talks of, unfortunately, yet again, <laughs> celebrities like Oprah, while they talk platitudes, of, they, they were already mm-hmm. making offers to to these landowners to buy up land. Yes, and they are pledging donations, uh, which I just, real quick, I just want to get on this. So Oprah is a billionaire. And yeah, the, it, the, yeah. the, the Rock, uh, who is a multimillionaire, um, were both making pledges to donate money that they collected from people <laughs> to yeah. then donate it through their foundations after they skimmed off the top. Yeah. Uh, but should we come back home? Yeah, let's go back to the homestead. Let's like, yeah, let's go back to the homestead because yeah, we could go on and on about the uh, the failings within our own country to deal with climate change and the results of climate disasters. Like, I mean, Florida's it's, already out of the Florida's already cycled out of the news, and it was they're saying it's one of the one of the worst ones to hit that region in a in a while. Yeah, it just didn't hit a it just didn't hit a sexy area. It didn't hit a sexy area for the news, but they're going to say it's uh, what is it six billion dollars to to fix. Yeah, and it's going to keep happening. So if you mm-hmm. if you are listening to the show um, and and you you see this in, in in the place where you live, if you see people coming from other states, other countries uh, that are being displaced, please shoot us mm-hmm. an email at Broken Shovel Podcast eight zero two at Gmail. Uh, we do want yes. to talk to you um, and uh, kind of get uh, get some boots on the ground experience because you know we're armchair yes. experts. Um, speaking of being experts. Uh, traditionally, you go first. We actually yeah. had a break in the weather recently. How, yes. how are things at the home? Um, I've have I have meager offerings from the garden. I'm still I get a handful <laughs> of cherry tomatoes. I, I sent you that picture, that lovely zucchini I gotten. Yeah, so I've got yeah, two zucchinis did. this year so far. Uh, my carrots nice. do look pretty good. I'm gonna start pulling them up over the next week. Uh, because I, I don't have enough nice. to like to store, but I do have enough to potentially be eating over the next few weeks. Uh, and my corn's just as important as storing. Yep. Um, yep. And, uh, my corn shot up at about about a f- two three feet this week. I'm I might get and this is the glass the glass corn you gave me. Oh, and, cool. Okay. And I, I it, it I have there's hairs like an ear is forming, but it's also really tiny. So I might I don't know if I'm actually going to get a corn this year. I'm also trying to look into ways. Um, right now it doesn't look look like there's a frost in the forecast but any time after the tumbridge fair week if not on the tumbridge yeah. fair week we get a frost so yeah. i am looking at ways to potentially at least cover up half of my garden uh to keep it going for as long as possible because uh last year we got a few early frosts but then we get another one to what the end of october almost yeah so yeah, we're doing the same. We're going to be doing some shopping next week to do a couple tunnels um, and uh, just sort of be prepared to extend this for as long as we can. Yep. I'm actually going to see if I, my idea, my my wonderful idea, is find somebody that has like a in ground pool cover that they're getting rid of, and then okay, I have. Well, two. I mean the ones like like the ones that are on like a big reel, 
so that I can just like, oh, you do? Yeah, no, I have two of them. So I, I just have it like set up stakes yeah. in my garden so I can just, just like just pull it over and then boop, pop mm-hmm. it down. Yeah, yeah, I've got two of them. Oh. Uh, so we can talk about that. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's the news uh, on my it's homestead. It's going to take some work to get them out. Yeah, that, that, that's about the news. Uh, yeah, so yours, yours has probably been a little more prolific than uh, mine has been. Well, yeah, so I got, I got, Meg and I both got sick. She brought back uh, uh, COVID from the airplane. Um, I'm convinced she got it from Luis Guzman on the plane, so I'm okay with it. But uh, for you, it took us this long to get COVID. So uh, it was kind of a, a rough week, two yeah, weeks I, ago. Also, I want to uh, step back of... and, and just comment on Meg's total Vermont moment because Luis Guzman <laughs> is a local Vermonter. And yes. uh, I want very supportive. very supportive. The community actually has a really good. Uh, I sent you the commercial that he does with Pat Leahy and the other Vermont <laughs> actor, and I can't think yeah. of the other person's name because he's so he's so minor. But yeah, they're at yeah. for that the uh, what is it, the the country corner cafe whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Luis Guzman was on a plane, on Meg's plane, coming back from California a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, she, we both got pretty sick. Um, so we're blaming and we're yeah. blaming Luis Guzman. So Luis, if you're uh, listening, but, uh, we would like love said, you to reach out and come on the show <laughs> and defend your stance that you did not give Meg COVID. <laughs> I'm going to find a way to contact him. Uh, so... We did pretty good. This weather broke. Um, you know, I'm still doing a lot, a lot of the same. There's, there's probably about 40 onions on the floor in the office here with me right now. Nice. Uh, the red onions that I picked. The yellow onions have been upstairs for close to two weeks. Uh, and should be ready to come down. They should be fully cured by now. Uh, carrots. We've been just sort of picking them right along. Uh, I, um, I got a uh, lot of tomatoes all of a sudden. So, but not nearly as much. I'm looking at about 25% of mm. what I had gotten last year. Yeah. So I've got like 12 quarts of tomatoes and I'm still pulling some tomatoes in, but it's not enough to justify, you know, a full canning process. Uh, so I'm experiencing, I'm experimenting with some uh, tomato based hot sauces. Ooh. I'm also going to be doing some Ooh. homemade ketchups and barbecue sauces and things to sort of but supplement your barbecue those. sauce is really good. It goes, <laughs> for anybody that buys Lucas's barbecue sauce, it goes great as a glaze on a meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually sold it. Mostly this year, it's going to be about supplementing those trips to the mm. grocery store, uh, and um, you know, just sort of having more staples on hand. Uh, and uh, other than that, I mean, the sunflowers came in. Um, I've got just tons of cherry tomatoes. These uh, they're called sun gold cherry I tomatoes. Love the sun gold. The sun gold and uh, the sunbursts are the best. And I've been uh, I've got about two quarts of those that we uh, did sun dried. And uh, mm. some of that I, I'm turning into one of my seasonal vinegars. Um, but we've got just like a ton of, we have a very diverse pantry this year because of a lack of harvesting where we're, we're getting more creative with our smaller amounts of, of, of harvest. Yep. So, you know, we're taking, you know, I've got two pounds of tomatoes sitting on the kitchen counter. It's not enough. It's not 20 pounds of tomatoes. It's not enough for me to crack everything out again and, and start, processing no. again so so we're just getting more creative and clever and finding flavor uh in in our things and trying to replace staples uh which is it i like these challenges i'm not happy about my diminished uh harvest 
but it it does create some some interesting challenges and creativity so um so yeah that's what's going on here in the homestead plus some home improvement stuff that we've been doing um i finally got the john deere running Uh, so i uh got the orchards cleared i'm getting ready for fall and, yeah, I'm, uh, I, apples. I'm ready. I'm gonna be start picking apples soon. And like my my, I have ugly apples, so they don't make good for like they don't make good for pies and stuff. But they make great for just pureeing, uh, and then and can and, and actually canning though that we're making we're, well, we're, we're making gonna, applesauce. And you have the you have a great idea what you're doing this year. Which 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 idea? Which the the, the if you're gonna have enough to to do uh, borrow your neighbor's press. Oh yeah, yeah. So the cider mill, like three miles up the road, um, we've been feeding them chanterelles and morels all all season. So oh yeah, uh, butter and butter they, good. Yeah, and when they um, uh, them and then another fella who does uh, uh, side hill um, uh, apple cider vinegar, which you might see in local stores if you're in Vermont. Uh, they, you know, when they see we have extra apples, they come looking. So I'm going to I'm going to say you can have as many apples as you want. Just let me use your big industrial press and uh, do 20 or 40 or 60 gallons yep. <laughs> you know? and just really can out of our, our, you know, just really go for it. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what's happening here at home. Um, you can probably hear I'm still a little under the weather, but not too bad. Yeah, I mean, I think it's mostly allergies from working outside all day yesterday. Yeah, and unfortunately, <laughs> like normally this time of year is like it's it's normally this is the like get ready to harvest, like pulling everything out of the garden, and we just the, how bad mm-hmm. the weather's been this year. It that's not it's this is this is an abnormal normal season. So, and you know, this is worth note too before we start talking about next week. Um, I was talking to a farmer in Tunbridge who wants to get into the hot pepper business with me. Uh, and we both, uh, out of the varieties of peppers that we planted this year, uh, the pepper that's doing the best is the cayenne. Mm. Uh, so uh, jalapenos, I didn't do jalapenos this year. I don't really use them. But my Thai chilies, which are such an essential uh, part of the product, the hot sauce line, um, <clears throat> are not coming. As soon as they start to ripen, they just disintegrate. Ugh. So I'm actually drying green Thai peppers as we speak um, hmm. and going to experiment with that. Uh, oh, that's the other thing we did really, really, really well with is our uh, beans, uh, black ah. beans, pinto beans. I've got just pound after pound after pound of beans this year which is good because it's a, a very it's a shelf stable protein yep. um and in, in what could be a very difficult winter yeah i and i um, yeah the yeah predictions are they're all over the place but a lot of the a lot of the consensus is it's it's going to be it might not be super cold but it's going to be wet and wet yeah. with with us is snow mm. yeah and we uh, hope, mud we hope Snow uh, and mud, and it's going to be disgusting. And yeah. <laughs> so, uh, wrapping up climate refugees again. If anybody has any experience with this, uh, whether it's familial uh, or, or or just uh, helping out people uh, <laughs> as a volunteer, and you've got some experience, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach Lily, our producer, at Broken Shovel Podcast eight zero two at Gmail. It'll be in the show notes as well. Uh, and next week we will be talking uh, another current subject, the G20 summit, uh, which just uh, is just wrapping up in India as we are recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and why it should matter to you at home, uh, sitting on your couch or driving to work. Uh, it's it's uh, this is um, this is a big deal, and especially this year. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're we're gonna we're gonna spend some time talking about the G twenty summit in both a local and global uh, perspective. Uh, that yep. should do it for uh, Broken Shovel today. What do you What do you say, Eric? I say it's uh, it was good good show. Good show. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for coming back. We took last week off uh, for a multitude of reasons, but uh, uh, we'll do better about planning our vacations with you, our listeners, uh, and uh, we'll keep you up to date. Uh, anyway, uh, happy Tuesday if you're listening to this on the day of release. Bye. Later.